0: Tonight we continue our study in the book of Proverbs. We are very quickly heading to the end of our study. I was trying to figure out how long we've been in it. It's been some time. Uh, We will finish the 30th chapter, hopefully tonight. Uh, Remember in the 30th chapter, it's kind of strange, uh, kind of set apart from the rest of the book that we've studied so far. Uh, We are learning of, in this 30th chapter, we are hearing of the wisdom of a man named Agur. Uh, this chapter, really, if you look at it, it is uh, the proclaiming of God's wisdom that this guy uh, has gained and now that he announces. Now, he tells us at the start he is announcing it or he is proclaiming it uh, to two other guys, a guy named Ithiel and another guy named Eucal. And so he has sought wisdom in the world, he hasn't found it. Uh, he has realized that only God has true wisdom. And then he is taking the wisdom that he has gained from God and he's telling it to these two guys. It is recorded in God's word. This is uh, the word of God. And so it is God's wisdom for us tonight. Uh, I want to warn you tonight as we head into this section that we're moving into, uh, this section that we're moving into really seems like a machine gun of wisdom. Uh, It really seems like maybe a fire hose of wisdom. And as I think about it, what we've heard so far, we've seen the prayer of Agur, we've heard the oracle of Agur, well now it seems as we get to the end of this chapter, uh, it's as if someone were to ask or to tell Agur, tell me all of the things that I'm going to need to know. If you were to go up to this guy and say, you've gained God's wisdom, tell me all of the things that I should know, the things uh, in my life that you have learned, that you have found that are going to be important to me. And now you have two minutes to do it, and that's really kind of what it seems like as we go to the last of this chapter. Tell us what's important. Tell us what we need to know. Uh, Now you have two minutes uh, to do it. Uh, Today we're gonna tonight we're gonna try and make it through this last section. Agur first off tells us. uh, let, Let let me go ahead and look at the verse. He he first tells us of people who cannot be pleased. Uh, We're going to look at this section. He's going to really hit us with a whole bunch of information, but he he starts off and he tells us of people that cannot be pleased, but actually more than that, people that will take all that you have. Now, I don't know if you've ever dealt with somebody like that. Don't look at them if they're in here. Uh, But if you help them a little bit, they want a little bit more. And if you'll give them an inch, you know what, they want a foot. And if you'll give them a foot, they want a a 100 yards. And if you'll do this... They'll let you do that and they'll they'll heap more on it. And they will actually take all that you have. This first section is a warning about those types of people. Uh, The very first part of verse 15 says, and I'll just break it down, the leech has two daughters, give, give. Chapter 30, verse 15, the leech has two daughters, give, give. Now, in the first part of this verse, we are introduced to a leech. Now, that is a strange thing uh, itself to be introduced to, but there is a leech. Now, think about a leech. A leech is known to suck the life out of others. That's what a leech does. It attaches and it sucks the lifeblood out of others. And so, there is a leech, and that is what a leech does. Well, this leech, this particular leech, has two Now, I don't know if that's a word or not, but it has two daughter leeches, leechettes, uh, that are attached to it. Now, the picture here is these leechettes, uh, they are nursing, and their cry is give, give. Uh, Really, uh, their their cry, if we were to put it in our language today, would be more, more. And and there's no concern uh, for the mother. There's no compassion for the mother. All they want is more, more, give. Give. Now, the verse goes on. The leech has two daughters. Give, give. There are three things that will not be satisfied, four that will not say enough. All right, let me read verse 16. Shoal and the barren womb, earth that is never satisfied with water, and fire that never says enough. Uh, that's the examples. Those are the examples that it gives to us. Uh, shoal here, it is the place of death. It is the grave. Uh, we know if, we, if we've lived long enough, the grave is never satisfied. There's not a number that the grave says, you know what, I'm going to take a week off or I'm going to take some time off. Uh, that is enough death for this time. Uh, that's not how it works. We'll have a funeral Friday. I had one. We've got a funeral in the morning, Monday. And so the grave is never satisfied. The grave never says Enough. And it gives the example of a barren womb. As long as that womb is empty, it'll never be satisfied in purpose. It'll never be fulfilled in purpose. The examples continue. The earth that needs a rain, the earth that needs a rain, it's always needing more. Now we can relate to this. Um, A big rain in June doesn't mean that we're not going to need one in July. That's the story of this summer. A wet spring, hey, how many wet springs do we have? Do not mean that we can endure a dry summer and never have rain again. And so that's the picture. A big rain is never enough. A wet spring is never enough. We need continual rain upon our land. And then the example is a fire. Now, maybe you've noticed this. A fire never stops, never slows down as long as there is fuel for that fire. Maybe you've seen a fire somewhere somewhere. Uh, Maybe you've seen a brush fire somewhere. It will consume all that there is as long as it can consume it until there is no more to consume. The fire never says it's enough. It never just pulls back of its own accord. As long as there is fuel, it will continue to move. It is never satisfied. Uh, Agur warns us of those who would consume us. Now, that's a deep thing. Uh, he consumed, He warns us of those that would take all that we have. Then, uh, Agur doesn't even pause there. He goes on, and the warnings continue. In the verses, he's, he now warns us of the person who will not heed and will not honor the instructions, the teachings of their parents. And so the next thing, he tells us that. The time clock is running, and so he moves to the next thing, that he wants to tell us, and he warns us about the person who will not take instruction, will not heed or honor their parents. All right, moving to verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. And now, that is a startling verse, declaration for sure. That is really a pretty grotesque way of saying that those who will not listen and will not heed uh, the discipline of their parents those that that will uh, that will despise the correction of their parents here's what the bible says now we've seen it all the way through the proverbs that person will come to ruin now we've seen the pattern that god's pattern is the parents are to instruct the children Uh, The children that will not be instructed, that will not heed the teaching of the parents, the Bible says this, they will perish, they will come to ruin. Now, I want to point something out. We've passed through two of these now. We're going to continue. Uh, I want to point something out. Uh, These points of wisdom are now thousands of years old. And so what we're talking about, these, these points of wisdom that we're Gaining tonight, they are thousands of years old. And yet, as we pass through them, doesn't it seem like they could be written right now? Now The the person that won't listen to their parents, the person that won't take correction, the person that has no concern for others and all they want is everything, and you, you owe them and you owe them and they'll take all that they can get. Doesn't that sound just like the day that we're living in? All right, Agur knows the clock is running, and he goes on, verses 18, 19, and 20. There are three things which are too wonderful for me, four which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the middle of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I Have done nothing wrong. Now, I'll just tell you these uh, three verses together, they are complicated. They are are hard, maybe, for us to understand today. Uh, But I believe the key to understanding them, uh, we have to slow down and look at them, but I believe the key for us to understanding them is in the 20th verse. And let me walk you through this, let me show you this. The way of the eagle in the sky. Now, that that is an awesome thing. We're not sure in our mind exactly how that takes place, but I want you to think about this. The eagle in the sky, it moves along, it travels along, and there's no record of where it has been. It leaves no trail. There's no trail of where it has flown. There is no impact. Now, the next example, the snake on the rock, It, it slithers along, it propels itself along, and then the snake is gone. If you were to come along to that, to that rock, uh, you would see no impact. The snake has moved on. The ship in the sea, uh, no matter how big the ship is, no matter how big the load is, after it has passed by, uh, after a short time, the sea closes in, the ship has moved on, and there's no trail. There's no impact. Uh, the, the way of a man with a maid Uh, It is tied to verse 20. Let me read verse 20 again. In the way of a man with a maid, this is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Now I want you to see what what it's showing us here. Uh, She thinks that this uh, relationship will leave no track, just like the eagle in the sky. She thinks that it will bear no impact. And her her example here is just like the meal she eats the meal she consumes the meal she finishes and it is done, and then she declares she has done no wrong, there is nothing to to worry about she's going to move on she has done no wrong it's in her mind just as the eagle in the sky or the ship in the sea. Well, Agar has learned this is far from the truth, and that's that's what he's saying here. There. There there is uh, no erasing of a consequence. Uh, There is no erasing of the shame outside of Christ we would know. And so she would like to say it's no big deal. It's not wrong. It's no problem for her. Well, Agar warns against it. All right, next Agar tells us uh, in his march through his wisdom, telling us uh, what we need to know. He tells us of those who may... Uh, seem to be overlooked, or those who may be discounted, some maybe that we would underestimate, and he calls us really to look at them, and if you think about it, as an example. So we might underestimate these. We may give give no credence to these, but he calls us to see them and to look at them as an example. Verse 24, watch this. Four things are small on earth, but they are exceedingly wise. Four things, they're small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The first verse, verse 25, the ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in summer. The ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in summer. The strength of the ant is not in, in the power that the ant has, But the strength of the ant is in his preparation. Uh, It is in their work. They're not caught off guard because they have prepared. They have done the work. Now, I want you to think about this. Um, Today, a person, now we think, man, we're we're for sure uh, stronger than an ant. We're for sure smarter than an ant. Uh, How many many people, lazy people, do you find that that run into a crisis, and you know what, I'm not going to be able to eat tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to take care of my business tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to do it today. And and they will actually run into a barrier, and they will starve out, and yet the ant, the little tiny ant, has done the preparation, has done the work, and they will survive. The ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. Their strength is in their preparation. Verse 26, "The, the Shephanim, the Shephanim are not mighty people, yet their houses are in the rocks. Shephanim, I, I looked it up. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what they were. Uh, it is a weak, little groundhog, miniature gerbil-type animal. Uh, they, they were common in that area. Uh, we, we don't see them in pet stores here, but they are not fierce They are are not strong, and yet their houses are indestructible. And and that's what the verse is telling us here. Uh, Their houses, uh, this little furry little tiny thing, uh, their houses are indestructible. They can take a storm, they can stand the wind, and their strength is in their wise choice of where they live, their, their wise choice of their home. And so here's this little thing. It's not going to be able to ever protect itself but because it is wise in where it chooses to live, it has an indestructible house. I wonder how many people have spent a fortune trying to build an indestructible house. And you, well, we're going to build with two by sixes instead of two by fours, and we're going to put a safe room, and we're going to make concrete walls on, on these edges. Now, this little tiny thing actually has an indestructible house. Moving on to verse 27. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. Um, here's the thing about locusts they sadly do not have a two party political system. Um, they do not have debates and then elections. They do not have locusts that belong to the royal locust family. Uh, well, these are our European friends. They, they were in the, the, the line of the king, and so they're part of the royal locust family. And yet their strength is in their organization. Now, there's no born leader there. There's no, there's no elected leader there. And yet their strength is in their organization. A swarm of locusts can devour an entire field. And so they come and they fly, they fly in rank, and they can come and they can do much destruction. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. Verse 28. The lizard you may grasp with the hands, yet it is in king's, yet is it is in king's palaces. The lizard you may grasp with the hands, yet it is in king's palaces. The lizard, I I don't know, you may disagree. I think they're kind of gross. Uh, They're not impressive. Uh, I I think they're kind of repulsive. I don't know maybe once one in their kitchen. Um, Yeah, here's what the Bible says. Uh, They are found in king's palaces. You can catch them. You can throw them out in the yard. You can can put them out in the backyard. Uh, But but they are found in king's palaces. Here's what I would encourage you to do today. Go to Austin and go in the governor's house. Go to Washington, D.C. and go in the White House. You own the thing, go in it. Uh, Go over to Iraq and go go into the palace there. Go to Saudi Arabia. Let me tell you what you're not getting into. You're not getting into the palaces. You're not getting into the governor's house. Uh, Sometimes I can barely get back in my house. But guess what? This lizard goes where it wants to go. Unimpressive, non-threatening, stealthy. He goes where he wants to go. Agar says, take note, of these things. Now, right about the time I start to consider all of that and think, man, that's pretty awesome to think about. Here's this ant, and, and, and their, their, their work is their strength. Here's the locust, and their organization is their strength. Agar again moves on. Uh, next, he tells us to be aware of those due respect. Now, there are people that are due respect. And he tells us to be aware of those that are due respect. Moving on to verse 29. There are three things which are stately in their march, even four which are stately when they walk. Now, there are four that we can see their position in their walk. Now, I was thinking about that. There are people that fall into that, that same category. There's folks you can kind of tell, Uh, something about them, by how they carry themselves, by how they walk. There are three things which are stately in their march, even four which are stately when they walk. All right, verse 30, here we go. The lion, which is mighty among beasts, and does not retreat before any. Now, the first example is the lion. It says, is mighty among beasts in the jungle, in the wild, they watch out for him. And and so you watch the lion, he walks around, and as he moves, his muscles flex. Uh, You can see his agility, you can see his ferociousness as he moves, and even the wildest of animals watch out for him. It says, he does not retreat before any. He does not run, he doesn't have to run. You ever watch a video um, I, I guess today they would watch them on YouTube. We used to watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom uh, on Sunday night before our parents would say, All right, we've got to go to church. We'd have to get in and leave before we can watch the good parts. There's always a safari in Africa. You ever watch those? And they drive along and, and they've paid a fortune and they got all those matching clothes and all that fancy stuff. And they've got a guide and they've got a, a Jeep there and they're riding along with their guide. And you watch, they come along, and there's some zebra. And the guy will say, Here's some zebra, and this is where they naturally eat, and they naturally drink, and they'll move along. And here's a gazelle, and this is what they do, and this is what they hunt. And then almost always, when you watch those shows, they would come up on some lines or come up on a line, and the guy would mess up and get too close. And everybody's kind of panicking, and they get in the Jeep, and the people look, and the guy's trying to back the thing across the road and and, and run up. And I always thought, That looks like an expensive way to die, uh, to be eaten by a lion. The lion, which is mighty among beasts and does not retreat before any, verse 31. The strutting rooster, the male goat also, and a king when his army is with him. Probably the point is to watch out for the king when his army is with him. I I thought about those pictures. The goat, uh, the ram, they have power, they are strong. They have horns, they have a hard head. You ever watch two rams as they crash into each other? The the one that's kind of funny to me is the rooster. I think about the rooster. Here's what a rooster is. A rooster is a puffed-up six-pound bird. They have no weapons. They have no defense. Everything can eat the rooster. Do you know that? My dog can eat the rooster. The cat can jump on a rooster Everything can eat the rooster, but here's the deal. No one has told the rooster, or if they did, the rooster never listened. And so here's this little six-pound bird, and he is loud. He's louder than everybody else. He, he's loud, and he's all poofed up. And he Watch how he walks. He puts his head back and his chest out, and he's got these two little stick legs that he couldn't do anything with, and he struts on those legs. I, I was thinking about that. I remember as a kid... We used to have to take the trash out to burn it. So we'd go out to the burn barrel and burn the trash. And we would go out. I'd be a fifth-grade kid, a sixth-grade kid. And we'd go outside to take the trash out. And we had this dumb rooster. I don't know why we had him. And he would see us going outside. And here's what he would do. He would walk like this. And we would carry the trash. And I would see him out of my eye. He's, he's kind of sizing us up. And if you look at him, he'd always stop. He'd look around. He might peck something. And and you start to walk, and he was was stalking you sideways. And so you're carrying that trash, and he's stalking you sideways, and he's got an eye on you, and here here he comes, and he poofs up his feathers, and he puts his feet out behind him. And here's the deal, what I figured out as a fifth grader. If you run, he'll chase you. And if you run, he'll catch you. And I don't care who you are. If you run, he'll chase you. But here's the other thing. If you say, Get out of here. That rooster will run off and he won't even come back. That's the rooster. Here he is and he's proud and he's strutting around. The last one is the king when his army is with him. Agur points out here, give respect where respect is due. The last point that he makes here in his his machine gun of wisdom, Agur tells us, if you cause trouble, trouble will come. Now that seems like a simple point. Uh, But I I think we have a hard time understanding that. If you cause trouble, trouble will come. Today, for some reason, we think we can escape the consequences. You know what, I can can do these things and it's not going to hurt me. As we've gone now all these many months to the book of Proverbs, I think most of us, Think, you know what, that's not going to happen to me. God says, here's the best way. If you'll operate in my wisdom, you'll be blessed. If you do not, you'll suffer problems. You'll have trouble. And we think, well, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that's going to apply to me. Listen, here's the teaching of God's word. If you cause trouble, you will find trouble. Trouble will come, verse 32. If you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have plotted evil, Put your hand on your mouth. Uh, One translation, one Bible translation says, if you've played the fool, if you've been a fool. Remember all the way back when we started our study, we saw that a fool is not a person that's dumb. It's not a person that is ignorant, that doesn't know. A fool is a person who knows the truth, who knows what is right, but does does what is wrong anyway. That's what it's talking about in the 32nd verse. If you've been foolish, you knew the right thing, you didn't do it, you did it anyway. And exalting yourself, or if you've plotted evil, put your hand over your mouth, verse 33, for the churning of milk produces butter, and pressing the nose brings forth blood, so the churning of anger produces strife. For the churning of milk produces butter, and the pressing of the nose brings forth blood, so the churning of anger produces strife. Here's, here's the thing. I, I don't know if we can understand these examples today. If you churn milk, if you churn milk, you will have butter. Uh, maybe, maybe we ought to churn more milk and make butter these days. Here's another one. If you press a nose, it will bleed. Um, maybe we ought to get busted in the nose a little more often these days. We'd learn. If you press a nose, it will bleed. And then it says here, the churning, the striving, the the stirring, the agitating, the producing of conflict will result in trouble. Agur says this, if you look for trouble and you act foolishly, you will find trouble. And with that, as we finish up the 30th chapter, Agur's time goes out, or maybe he runs out of paper, but that's where his wisdom stops. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for your wisdom. We're thankful for what we've we've heard tonight. We're thankful for what we've heard over these months. We're thankful that you love us enough to guide us, to teach us, to put guardrails up for us to tell us this is the best way, this is the truth, to follow that. Lord, I I pray as we hear these things tonight, uh, that we would be impacted by them, that we would take them in, that we would consider them, and I pray it would change how we live, that it would change how we think, how we react, and I pray all of that would be for two things. Number one, for your glory. The world would know there is a king, that there is a Lord, that there is a God. And I pray the second thing is that it would be a blessing to us, that it would lead us in paths of righteousness. And so I I pray, Lord, for help in these things, that we would take them and we would live by them. Lord, I pray for our church, bless it. Pray for our church, use it. I pray as we go into a a new week that we would carry high the banner of our Savior Christ. I pray for these that have gathered tonight, bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, uh, use them this coming week. I, I, I pray as we face difficulties that we'll be quick to turn to you and see you as the answer We pray for help in many circumstances. We pray for for your hope to prevail in those circumstances. I think about those that are sick tonight, those that are ill, those that have lost loved ones, be their peace, their comfort. Lord, we're thankful that tonight we know that you hear our prayers, that you are concerned about our prayers, that you're pleased when we pray, and Lord, that you answer our prayers. We We praise you, we thank you for that. Lord, we tell you, we love you and we worship you. We exalt you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.